welcome to a Bergkamp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. And before we start, dear listener, I'd just like to say I'm very much worth it. Do you like the effects? Do you like the the blowing in the wind? But my hair shimmering beautifully. I look so delightfully. It looks, it looks lush and luxurious. I love it. It does, doesn't it? And if I like, if I look right into the fan, hang on. Oh no, it's not going to work now. I'll try and get the right angle throughout the podcast. That'll be the. So any of you that are listening to this in audio format, you are missing out on what? I mean, that's debatable, but you are missing out. So tune into the YouTube and uh, you'll get a beautiful view of my wisping locks in the wind of my fan. Let's move on, shall we? Because we're here to talk about Arsenal. I need some people to do that with me. So uh, we have dragged him straight from football training because that's where he's run from. Uh, it is Mr. Richard. You might know him as Captain Cash. Rich, how are you doing? Oh, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Uh, windswept, beautiful, blonde and <laughs> dexterous. Is that a word? You, you, you look a lot healthier and, uh, and, and, and better than I do. I'm absolutely shattered. I've just been running around in a park with... Uh, a load of a load of load of young children, and I am knackered. Should just stress you. You've been coaching children. Oh yeah, not I, a... yeah I've been coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> just uh, it's just not in case uh, rope or dodgy. Yeah, just in case there's any liable in this. So uh, yeah, just yeah, clarify. Yeah, yeah. No, Rich I've, 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 I've had my full DBS. I'm 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 checked out. I'm okay. <laughs> splendid, splendid stuff. Uh, splendid business, as Steve would say. Uh, right, moving swiftly onwards. Uh, by the way, I'm not fit and healthy, mate. I I've got what I think maybe either a ruptured or um or uh, uh, torn groin right now. So uh, it's not fun. Anyway, let's uh, maybe I could go to this man because he's got knowledge. He's a nurse. And apparently if you're a nurse, basically you can diagnose anything and treat anything. <sighs> Where do I introduce you as? I'm just going to go with fuck Ellis. How you doing, sir? <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, Getting there. It's been nice to actually see Arsenal score some goals. That yes. was a, a pleasant surprise from last night. But yeah, other than that. Working hard, as they say. A&E is busy, busy, busy. I can imagine. Uh, we do need to address the elephant in the room. Uh, if you're watching on on the, the YouTube channel, you will notice that Alice is currently sporting a look, which is a cross between um, uh, it's a cross between Michael Jackson, sort of of the eighties when he was sort of half white, half black. We weren't quite sure. And also, there's actually a little bit of um, of uh, Colin Firth fever pitch going on there. By the way, there's a, there's a bit of a it's a bit of a crossover. I see, I see what you're saying. I do yeah, see what you're you, saying. It's the little curl in the fringe. There's a little bit. I think probably you'd I feel like he's going gonna to go to his window and shout out and tell someone to fuck off. <laughs> Maybe just keep... fucking fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> You've arrived during the worst 30 seconds of my life and I really don't want to speak to you. Yes. Well, I, I'm digging it, man. I, uh, I kind of like it. And I think you'd probably rather be more first than Jackson at this stage because A, you're not dead and B, you're a bit of a legend. So, you know, not that Michael Jackson isn't a legend. But, yeah, um, you know, stuff I'll, that goes with it, you know. I'll take it as a compliment. It's quite long. It's just the curls make it look shorter. It's like down past my nose now. It is. When you uh, when you wash it, does it come out like full on massive? Yeah, I have to put some product in there. Otherwise, it is literally just a big old frizzy throw. There you go, listeners. So, yeah. if you want to see people, <laughs> if you, you want to see Alice next time we pod, if you want to see Alice with a full afro. I'm going to need 100 likes on this video. So there's the challenge, boys and girls. If you want to make that happen, uh, I am forever marketing in this profession. So uh, click the old thumbs up because uh, it helps Danny flick his ding dong or something like ha- that. Hashtag set the fro free. 
there you go. We've even, there you go. We've even created a slogan. I mean, what, what could you want from an Arsenal podcast? What's that, dear listener? You want us to talk about Arsenal? All right. All right. Fine. 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 We'll do that. So, gents, um, we're going to have to start kind of, you know, that barrel that you scrape and you get that crusty bit of, you know, like the fryers at the end of the day in a pub and they scoop out all that crap that just sticks down the back that the rats feed on. That's kind of the Chelsea game. So I'm afraid before we jump into the sort of happier times of last night, we are going to have to go back and revisit it. Uh, Rich, I'll start with you. I mean, we don't this this season in our podcast. I don't think we're going to go forensic into every game. We're not going to talk stats and uh, xG and all that. That's 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 for Josh to do. But we um we do just want to have an overview of the game. I mean, what was your immediate thoughts? Did you did you go into it with any hope, or did you sort of see the lineup, see the tactics, see the Ben White situation, and just kind of throw your arms up like I did and went, well, let's move on. Well, I mean, it, it, it was always it was always going to be tough. Uh, however, which way you slice it, even even before all our COVID withdrawals, even before they spent ninety million on Lukaku, um, it, it, it was always going to be you know uh, uh, not the easiest game, game in the world. But it was it was interesting in the sense of so like because I, I went to the game obviously, and um, it was. The, the lead up to it was brilliant kind of thing. Like it was the, the ground was packed from, from very, very early on. And uh, I think because a lot of people were thinking that it was going to be a, a massive faff to get into the game with the new ticketing system and stuff like that. So the, the ground was heaving the, the area, the concourse and that was heaving from very, very early on. And it was there was this really it was an amazing atmosphere inside. It was I know like you know like the, uh, there were some people back at the, the stadium against Brighton the last game of the season and stuff like that. Um, but it, it felt almost like a bit like a reunion kind of thing. It, I was in my seat from from early doors and people hugging and 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 you know like reminiscing and catching up. It was really really nice and it kind of. You know, there was singing and chanting. The crowd was in good voice, and you kind of started to get lulled into a bit of a full sense of security kind of thing. Um, and then the game happened, <laughs> and you know, it, it, it swiftly went downhill. But I mean, to answer your question, I I I didn't have great hopes going into the game, um, just because of where the two teams have been. In the you know since the start of preseason and what's been happening with the with the uh, with our squad team and stuff like that. So no, I I wasn't massively excited or not excited is the wrong word. I wasn't massively thinking that we were going to get anything out of the game. If that answers your question. Yeah, I think that's my question quite nicely. And and I, I've got to ask you because I know there's been some people have said. There was an issue with the atmosphere after the initial build-up, and once we went one nil down, booing, etc. Arteta kind of said he didn't hear any of that. Where you were sitting, was there a case of kind of discourse? I guess was there a little bit of booing? Was there any jeering? Or was mm. it mixed? No, no, not really. It was it, uh, obviously like the levels did dip a little bit um, when um, when they scored. Because um, I I didn't think we started m massively terribly kind of thing. It wasn't mm. like it was straight away we were like overrun and we were a pile of crap. But um, it, it, it put it this way: there was enough singing 
and backing of the team that I didn't I didn't hear the Chelsea fans booing Saka. Mm. Uh, like I, I got a little message from from one of my mates saying, "Oh, you know the, the Chelsea fans booing Saka. Can't believe it." And I didn't even hear that because you know those in around me and uh, you know I was sitting in the North Bank, so I mean I'm fairly fair away from you could just hear it was really really positive and it, it kind of I, I you know the 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 booze that rang out and i'm skipping ahead a little bit the, the booze that, that rang out at, at half time i didn't get the sense that they were really for us kind of thing it was more like at the result kind of thing I, but I, it wasn't like people were losing losing their shit particularly mm. um but yeah, no, I, I, I didn't think that I thought the fans were generally in good, in good atmosphere and good voice, personally. And and I'm, I'm assuming you didn't hear because this, I must admit, this made me chuckle. Did you hear uh, James McNicholas talking about the, um, the is Jacker a cunt debate? Did you hear that? I just, I saw, I saw, I saw him in. He came down and watched the. Um, he came right down to the front of the front of the the pitch to watch the um, uh, the goalkeepers warm up, which was mm. really really interesting. Uh, but then he sodded off to his seat. So unfortunately, I I didn't I didn't hear the Jack is Jack or a cunt uh, debate. <laughs> I, I I kind of I don't know. I, I, I it would have been interesting to to weigh in on that. Maybe that could we can have that as a question later on in the show. Yeah. If we haven't got any Just- more questions. Add that into the question section. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't heard that, it was on the Earthcast Extra, and uh, I won't spoil it for you, but it's just the back and forth. Because I can just imagine it, you know, one guy saying, well, he's a cunt, and the guy going, is he? Well, could you justify that? Just the most Arsenal conversation ever, isn't it? Like the mm. most middle-class conversation ever. But anyway, uh, that aside, oh, what did you what did you pick the bones out of it? Because I feel like of all of our podcast group, I think... I I kind of feel a bit dirty saying this, but I feel like you and me and Carl are kind of on a similar wavelength in terms of like where we stand at the moment about a lot of things in and around the club. If you take the result away, which I know is easily said said than done, but do you look at this and think, well, maybe this is a, a wider point over the Chelsea game, but did you look at it and think, well, you didn't really expect anything anyway? Or do you look at it actually and come out of it as I did and think, well, could we not have just gone for it a bit could we not have just been a bit more tactically aware we gave up both goals with bad defending bad positional decisions and we never really looked like we were going to attack them did you feel that or or were you kind of just resigned to the fact we were going to get beat regardless it's strange it's that um that meme from what's his face out of uh, Malcolm in the middle where I don't expect much, but I'm still sort of left disappointed. And I very much felt that from, from the, the Chelsea result. Like I wasn't expecting much. I think in our WhatsApp chat, I think it may have been John had put predictions. How many points do we think we'd get out of our first three games? And I put three. I didn't think we'd get anything from Chelsea and I don't think we'll get anything uh, this week against Man City. Um, Obviously, I was wrong with the, the Brentford game, but there you go. That's, that's how, how things go. But yeah, it's, I agree to a certain extent, like with how the defending was. Like I watched the whole first half. I missed a segment of the kickoff of the second half, but the the first half certainly, from what I saw, there was glaringly amount of space there for for James 
on his right, on, on our left. And that was frustrating. Um, and I think the most frustrating point is who do you really pin the blame on there? Is that is that a coach thing? Is that a tactical thing? Or is that more of a an in-game player management thing? Uh, I think the arguments, there's a case for both sides, but it was frustrating. You could see that space was getting, you could see something was going to come from there. It wasn't adjusted. And obviously both goals actually came from, he changed his heaven involved, assisted Lukaku and then, and then scored the goal himself for the second. And it, it is, like you say, I, I, I didn't expect much. I don't know how much you expect. I wasn't expecting us to go for it. I saw, and again, watching on TV, you don't get the atmosphere, what, what Richard has got from being in the stands. But I sort of thought before that was 15 minutes when we conceded the goal, we looked all right. We were pressing a bit. We were going for it a bit. We looked, we looked up for it. And I think that is the, the, the bonus you get about playing at home with fans in the stadiums. But that soon evaporated after they scored their goal. And it was just... Just, just frustrating is what is the biggest thing. Like, I, I didn't expect to win, but I expected us to probably perform a bit better and address glaring issues that were there and quite easy to see, even to probably the untrained eye. If I, I was sat there watching it with my mum, she doesn't make play much attention to football, but even she, even she could notice that he was getting a lot of space down there. I, it's just frustrating. And I think that is that something that Arteta needs to get across to the team sooner, or is it so called leaders on the pitch who were bound for Roma? a couple of months or weeks ago mm. and are now captaining the team in the first home game. So, yeah, very frustrating. I don't know, what, what was your thoughts, Chris? How did you feel about the, about the well, game? Well, I mean, the first thing to say is, is if Mother Ellis can see it and Arteta can't, we've got a, a bit of a problem here. Uh, that's, that's for sure. I, do you know what, mate? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of I kind of went into... I'll be honest, I was more disappointed about Brentford because I felt like we never... I felt like we kind of rolled over and died so easily in that game. And, and and that was such a poor start. I looked at the start of the season and, yeah, I'll be honest, I, I like many people, thought, well, we're not getting anything probably from Chelsea um, and we're, we're probably not going to get anything from Man City. But we can start with a win. You know, we can quiet the crowd at Brentford and, and get ourselves, you know, a decent start um, off to the season. And when that happened and we played so poorly, I kind of feared for Chelsea. Um, and obviously, I tweeted before the game, you know, how long will it, or who else is worried about Fraud Kaku running at, at Pablo Marie? And um, that came to pass. And, you know, to be fair to the, the, the giant fraud, it was a, it was a good goal. Um, good movement, good easy finish. Um, and then he basically did not much else the rest of the game as he generally does in the Premier League. But anyway, um, let's move on. That was just for John, by the way, because I know he's not listening. But yeah, I mean, I just... I just I didn't come out with it. Do you know when you have that feeling where you you just finish a game and you just sort of go, <sighs> got some dusting to do, a bit of washing, probably need to prepare for work tomorrow, and you just kind of like you just have that. Oh, it's Sunday, oh. you, you know, just get kind of fed up, kind of thing. And maybe we'll come on to this if we get time. We can talk a little bit about the circumstances around the way the team play and stuff. But that's the thing that's gripping me at the moment the most. Um, and we'll talk about West Brom, obviously, because things changed a bit. But it was that lack of, just that lack of uh, almost bravery. And uh, and I felt like Arteta sent out a, a beaten team, almost. A team that kind of were resigned to its fate, that weren't brave enough to play and just kind of rolled over. And that's the bit that I, I, I almost feel like if you'd have said to us four years ago, you know, it's Arsenal v Chelsea, we'd have been like, we can beat anyone. You know, even last season to a degree. But we, we've now sunk into this sort of club that, like, we're kind of fodder. We're like mid-table fodder. 
for the big teams to come and and take their pick on. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know how comfortable I am with that, to be honest. I don't know how you both felt. Like for me, it, it felt like Chelsea, to use a, a, a Wengerism, never really got out of like second gear. I felt mm. like they were just sort of holding us at arm's length. Like I didn't really feel that they put us under a immense pressure or particularly played out of their skin. Like like you say, like Lukaku had probably a couple of big chances at best, that, that header and then obviously his goal. Um, and they got through a, through a couple of times, but I never really felt like they had to to work hard to do that. I don't know, like Richard, how do you feel? Do you feel like they were particularly played well? Was it a case of they played really well, we played really badly, or just a case of we just weren't really there? Um, we, they didn't, they, I, I, I can see what you mean about the not getting out of, of second gear thing, but I think, I think that was more awful kind of thing. You know, we, there was a distinct lack of fight in, in the team. And that was what was, when you, when I was, you know, you were saying like, you know, the crowd started to die down because there was, there was one bit in the second half. And again, I, I don't know how detailed you're going to go through the game but like in the second half you, you probably remember it there was a bit where Kieran Tierney hacked the ball up the, the wing like so like 40 yards and he went absolutely harrying after the ball and the crowd went absolutely ballistic for it it really was and then because we did uh, he did that he chased the ball and he scurried in he closed down that man the crowd went nuts and then Martinelli ran and he went and then the next person the next person and I just think to myself why why don't we do that more it really really winds me up and it's not about the old the English royal passion it's not about that right it's it's about the fact that what one of the things that we do that really really winds me up, and it's, it was really apparent in this in this game, is um, we don't put enough pressure onto the player on the ball or closing down the pass and stuff like that. What we do is we we we, we yeah we run and we sprint. And, you know, we'll get our pats, stat pad, our, our, our sprint stats. But we get like five yards towards the, the, the person on the ball. And then we stand off and we jockey them. You cannot allow players of that caliber time on the ball. They will hurt you. Kovacic and, and, and um, Jorginho were just having a field day because they, 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 they were always able to turn and they pop off a pass wherever they wanted to kind of thing. There was no, they very rarely got harried. They very rarely got um, hassled out of the ball. And, and, and like I said, it's, you know, and, and we have been bad at that for years, for absolute years. And we got away with it in the, in the Wenger era, especially the, the early Wenger era, because our players, the players that we had in our squad were technically superior to everybody else. So we didn't really have to get the ball back. We just had to wait for them to fuck up and, excuse me, sorry, to, to kick the ball out or lose the ball. And then we'll have the ball and our superior play will outdo the other teams. But it, it doesn't happen. That doesn't, that doesn't happen so much anymore because the, the, the standard of technical standard of play is a lot higher in and amongst everybody now. You know, there's 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 much fewer, and I don't want to pick on this guy. There's much fewer, say like Carl Henrys. Remember that Wolves <laughs> midfielder, 
or uh, is it Sean Derry, the QPR midfielder, who all they are, they're just middle distance runners. That's That was all that they were. And th- there's less of that now because everybody's fit, everybody's got a technical ability. And where we lose and where we really, really like go downhill is the fact that we do not work hard enough with or without the ball. Um, uh, that's my opinion anyway, that uh, that's, you know, when we got the ball, you know, we were getting closed down. Mount was sprinting to us, closing down, blocking off that, um, the, the passing lanes, cutting out those passing lanes, making sure that they, they, we had to go backwards kind of thing. And it just, yeah, that was one of the things that really, it re- really does wind me up that we don't, we don't do that enough kind of thing. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, if you fight, you might lose. But if you don't fight, you will always lose. And that's the kind of attitude that I, I, I fear that Arsenal have had and have had for far too long. Sorry to go what, on that what, rant. What do you think is like, just like, I think you make a really good point. What do you think is like the root cause of that? Is that a personnel problem, a, a coach problem, or even like like you say, it's, it's gone on, in, in your opinion, for a long while. Is that a, a culture issue? Like, yeah. Yeah, you think I, yeah. I, I, I do. It, I mean, it, it doesn't help. You've got a lot of the same players that have been there for a, a long time that, that, you know, they've got those bad habits that habits that see through, you know, also, you know, you've, you it, sometimes it's the, the wrong profile of player, um, uh, you know, that, 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 that you're, 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 you're bringing in, you need that you need some, you need some of those high energy, um, uh, aggressive players, you know, without the ball, and we don't seem to to have that. You know, the amount of times, how many times have we have we seen it where it, it's it's been deemed men against boys? Um, that it, and it's it's that it's that kind of physicality, it's that man strength, it's that it's that kind of that nous and that aggressive aggressiveness that we go don't sometimes we don't have. We, you know, we seem a bit a bit too timid. Uh, kind of thing, um, and I think it's. I think it's a. Uh, uh, I definitely think it's a cultural thing, because. And the reason why I say that is because it happened under Wenger, it happened after uh, uh, under Emery, and it's happening under Arteta. It you know, it's there's three different managers. Ultimately, kind of, it can't just be their fault alone. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, there's coaching techniques that they can they, they, they can employ, and surely they could should be able to rectify this but I, I think it's I think it's more of a cultural thing Chris is literally sitting there thinking how could I pin this on Arteta <laughs> well no I was, I, I was actually going to mention the uh, the bold fraud instead um, have you noticed that his City team uh, are, are very much not in the mould of his Barcelona team now do you remember when he first came into City and it was all about the press 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 go 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 all this crap on the touchline it doesn't really happen now, does it? He relies on Fernandinho to shithouse his way around the midfield, for Stones and Laporte to get early tackles in and, and crunch the strikers. Um, and the only press that Guardiola really, uh, from what, again, I'm not a Man City fan, obviously, but from what I've seen, the only press he really instills in them, for me, is like the wingers. And to a degree, he gets like Gabriel Jesus or whoever he, whatever striker he's decided to, to deploy at left back this week he kind of gets them to drop back into midfield and provide a shield. But it's not like the press... Do you remember when, like the Barcelona press when it first became famous? Mm. Even before mm. Dortmund had the Gagan press, it was all about that five-second rule and it was it was all over the place. The minute you lose the ball, everybody in, charge, charge, charge. I don't think I City guess, do that. 
I guess his excuse for not doing that or potentially his reasons for not doing that is he can rely on the technical ability of the players mm-hmm. he has at his disposal. Whereas from from Cactus's point, going back to that, I think even more now so than previously when Wenger was in charge of the squad, mm-hmm. the technical ability of certainly our midfield and well across the squad really is so much lower than it used to be. If you you go back to not, not massively long back in... When Wenger was manager, when you look at the likes of Rizicki, Cesc Fabregas, um, we had loads of diminutive, small, but very technically good midfielders that weren't exactly pressing like actors have said, but they could get away with it. Whereas now you look at our midfield and it's just that when we're exposed like that, it's for all to see. It, it, it's difficult. I, I, I don't really know how you get over that if it is a cultural thing and like, like Richard said it's, it's happened in Wenger it's happened with Emery it's happened with Arteta it's probably there for the brief stint when Freddie is in charge and mm. it's going to take it, it always does if it's a cultural thing it's going to take a long time to sort of to weed that out yeah I, I wonder if I wonder if we maybe need to look outside the box a bit like I've always I've always associated yeah, Arsenal as a um, is the mentality opposition the other thing is the mentality of the opposition we they don't teams don't fear and respect us anymore. They know that they can get us. You know, like the, 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 the you know, again back in the day, people try to, to teams try to press your Fabregas's, your Rizisky's, your Emir Kalebs and stuff like that. They had the technical ability to to beat that press and and retain possession, which we don't have uh, anymore, kind of thing. And where one of the things, like you said, with with City, where they 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 employ their their wing backs, uh, their wingers to 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 do their press, and they they're also able to um, condense the the, the 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 pitch with the defence because they've got the recovery pace of people like Walker and stuff like that, and also um, Edison, who is who is fairly quick off his line as well. So there are different uh, uh, things of, of doing that. But yeah, one one of the things that I noticed in the Chelsea game is when we did have the ball and the team at Chelsea pressed us, we absolutely shit our pants. And the amount of times we'd, we'd you know, you'd see them boot it long or just, you know, go back and just, you could see them physically panicking under the pressure. Mm. And that was the same at Brentford as well, wasn't mm. it? It's exactly the same, and that was a quote-unquote lesser side. And that's what kind of makes you think. And I was talking to uh, – who was I talking to about this the other day? It might have been Elliot when we were doing the uh, conversation I had with him. But uh, th- this whole – you know, West Ham are, are suddenly a really sort of comp- uh, comparable or um, – no, that's not the word, is it? They're a, they're a good side. Let's put it that way. You know, they're a, they're a very – decent side who operate on a you know a lesser budget than us but they just do the simple things well they've got a center forward who you know works hard tirelessly but you know isn't necessarily gifted but has the abilities to to find space and and finish they've got a midfield that's quite workmanlike but puts itself about and they just get after teams and they put teams on the back foot and i think christ if a team you know no disrespect west ham are a, a big side but I would I would put us in the same bracket, if not higher, even in the state we're in now, and and we're not doing that. And you do sort of think to yourself, well, if a club like that can do it, why why can't we? That's the weird thing, and that kind of brings me on to another subject I did want to touch on before we move on to West Brom and happier times. Um, Alice, I'll start with you on this one. There's something that's gnawing away at me uh, when it has been for a while, and I hear this on a few podcasts and, and a few. People in, in our group have said it a number of times, <clears throat> John. 
um, the the squad, right? Everyone keeps telling me that this is the worst Arsenal squad in decades, and you know it's te- full of terrible players, and you can't pin it on Arteta because you know he's he's just managing all this crap and that. And look, don't get me wrong, I know we've got Willian who we'll come on to later, and Kalasinac, and we got rid of Mustafi and so on. I, you know, I, I know there was a bit of Deadwood there, and there's still some there now, but this isn't a bad squad, is it? And, and this isn't a squad that Arteta can now turn around and say, "Well, I still need players." He's brought in basically a whole new team. So I'm not really buying this squad is not actually that good thing. Do you agree or do you not agree? Because Josh put the screenshot in the group the other day, didn't he, with the Shamaks, the Andre Santoses, the Squalachis. It's not a bad squad we've got now, is it? Yeah, I am. I sort of do. I sort of agree with your statement of the facts that I certainly needs to be judged because a lot Mm. of these players have been brought in under him. A lot of the, if you put down our best 11 on paper, a lot of them will probably be the new signings that have come in this summer and the summer previously. Um, obviously, there's going to be a couple there that are left over from even when, when Arsene was here, like Abamyang and Lacazette and players like that. Um, I don't think uh, it's difficult because I can, I can remember watching or hearing about Lacazette from you when you were talking with it, Leon. I can remember playing, and it's, I know people are going to hate this uh, reference, but I can remember playing FIFA Ultimate Team, and he was like a squad builder. I can remember going, "Oh, this this player is amazing." And then then he signed for us. I was like, "What the fuck? We've actually signed him!" Like Chris was going on for this guy for about like three years. Mm. I've, I've gone and signed him. I can remember watching Bamiang, and then we signed him. And I think to me, they are top quality players. So I think when you look at them, and even Pepe to a certain extent, that is a, a good selection of forwards. Where I don't agree is. Perhaps the midfield, we, we touched on it previously, I think our mid, midfield, again, we've got Lukonga in there now. Um, Odegaard had half a season with us. He's now permanent. That could change, but that, I just thought our midfield, and I have thought for a long time, especially since Emery took over, that our midfield was the weakest point, and that never used to be the case. So I think in terms of if you were just to isolate it to the midfield, I'd say, yeah, it's probably one of the worst midfields we've we've had in, in years. Defence-wise, you you, you can't say that. You like you brought him up, Scalacci, Pascal Sigan, Johan Juru. He was all right, but they were bad defenders. We had Kieran Gibbs was all right, never great. So I think we've definitely had worse teams. Like if you bring up the the team that lost eight two to to United, it's probably a worse eleven than what we've got as our starting eleven. But I would argue that the starting eleven that we had on the pitch against Brentford at the start of the season probably one of the, the worst league starting 11s I've seen in a long time so I, I think it's a mixture I, I definitely think there are some quality players there that Arteta certainly isn't getting the best out of but I also think he has got a lot of shit that he's had to deal with a lot of players he has to move on and I, I sort of had this discussion with Josh in, in another WhatsApp chat that we were in where I was bemoaning Arteta and he was saying off the field he thinks that he's done some good things him and Edu have done good things they've got rid, rid of a lot of Deadwood they've tried to change the mentality they've benched big players when they've been a bit disrespectful or late to training um, and I think he is potentially I think the jury's still out a lot of it will have to will determine on the players that he has signed or him and Adu have brought in this summer and how they perform in the team to decide whether those off-field changes that he's made have actually improved on the field because realistically the, the thing the tangible on the field results is what needs to go well, regardless of what you do off the field. So I think he is working with a 
poor squad, but he's definitely, I, I'd say, with the team we've got and with the team we've had for both the league finishes, finishing eighth two seasons in a row, I'd say he's underachieved. I definitely mm. think there's enough in our squad to, to finish better. Whether we'll finish higher than that this season, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the players we've signed to think that they'll improve us to finish no. higher than that. No, agreed. I thought last season, and I still think this season, that it's a top six squad. Is it a top four squad? Probably not, but it's a top six squad. We should be in Europe. We should be pushing the teams in fourth, if not finishing fourth. So, no, I uh, I completely agree. But, um, yeah, that was just a, just one that caught my interest. Um, Rich, let's, let's, um, let's move things to happier times then. Last night, we're recording this on a, on a Thursday, uh, we did see Arsenal win and, you know, they did this thing, which is like when you put the ball in the, the net. It's amazing what happens <laughs> when you do that. Um, I'm a little bit cynical about this. Uh, who'd have thought? Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, John was with me and him around some banter last night in the group and he was saying, you know, you could have won 26 nil. You still wouldn't be happy. Look, it's not a case that I wasn't happy. It's not that I am happy. Of course I am. And, and like you said earlier on at the start of the show, you know, goals, winning games, great. That's what you live for. All I would say is West Brom were, uh, they played a very youthful, inexperienced side who couldn't defend for Toffee. They lost a guy in the warm up. Their defensive line was, a, I mean, I haven't seen a defensive line that bad since ours, really. <laughs> uh, who says it all? Um, so, you know, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of positives. Aubameyang looked sharp. He looked on it. Um, OK, a couple of his goals were simple, but he looked on it all night. Third goal was he, vintage he, to Aubameyang. To be fair to Aubameyang, he, he, looked, he looked sharp and on it when he came on in the Chelsea game. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a fair comment. And it's good that he's taken this into this game and, and is showing yeah. that he's at it. Um, and we've got a question from Carl actually later on. We'll, we'll touch on. We'll maybe bring that in in a minute. But yeah, plenty of positives. Six gold, can't grumble. I thought Ramsdale was actually very good as well. Um, you know, there was a lot of positives from that performance. Even Klasenac playing centre-back was something you never thought you'd see. But, and here comes the but, did did you stop there? Or did you have a little bit of a, it's the League Cup, you know, it was a team that we really should be beating anyway. And does it really matter? You know, unless we win the League Cup, does it really matter? Of course, we don't know the answer to that at the moment, but... How did you feel? Were you just elated at the fact we'd actually stuck the ball in there and and actually had some decent attacks? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was just you know shocked and surprised that uh, you know uh, that that we'd scored. I was I was that you know Patrick from EastEnders meme giving it the old you know. Um, uh, I was more happy with the fact that it it I was I was happy and positive overall because. For me, it, it, it got minutes into people who were missing due to COVID. You know, Aubameyang, Lacazette, um, uh, Odegaard, who, you know, just coming into, you know, even Saka coming back. It, it got minutes in, into, into their legs and just, just getting some confidence scoring goals. I, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you, you know, as long as we don't, you know, run away with this and, and think it we're now... You know, Invincibles Mark Two, um, but <laughs> definitely you know, not that. I, I was I was just happy to see the goals go in, um, and and just happy to get some momentum because it has been pretty grim, um, e- even like I said with the with the preseason stuff like that. So, you know, I'm I'm and I'm, you know I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm not expecting anything in the Man City game on. Is it Saturday we play them? Yeah, uh, that kind fun. of thing. But I was just, I was just, I was happy with 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 a, with a lot of things. I was, I was happy with with Abamyang. He, you know, looked sharp. He looked hungry. 
Um, I, I thought Ramsdale did did very well in point. I was, you know, I was I was really looking forward to seeing what he was like with the ball at his feet. Um, I don't want to like tempt fate too much, but he did he did seem a lot more confident and and proactive on the ball with the ball at his feet than 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 Leno has been. Um, so yeah, I, like I say, I, I I see your reservations. I do I do I do get them and I acknowledge them, but I was. I'm just. I was just happy to get to get a win and get some um, some positive points under our under our belt. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, a couple of things that stood out for me. I was just just saying to Rich there as you nipped away. The the Abamyang performance is obviously one thing that stands out clearly. Um, but another one that really caught my eye was uh, was Martin Odegaard. He's just a he's just a player that literally in the space of five minutes of that game showed me everything that this team lacks and it's not just what he does but it's the movement that he offers that creates the space for others the amount of times that he would move into a position which would free up Saka which you just don't get from an inexperienced number 10 you you don't get if you're playing a a Martinelli or somebody else out of position you just don't get that Um, his assist for for Saka the awareness the, the weight of that ball to slip that through as well that midfield area for me, like Odegaard has to be that the, you know, as good as Saka is and as good as Smith Rowe is going to be, and and he's already showing he can be. Odegaard has to be that guy you build around now, doesn't he? In that ten position. Yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Really, he's. I don't think we would have scored again. It's only West Bromwich Albion in the, in the League Cup, but. I definitely don't think we would have scored six goals if he wasn't on the pitch. If we're still yeah. making do with the midfield we had. Um, in the time we hadn't signed him back from Real Madrid, it, it just wouldn't have happened. Again, lovely assist for for Saka. I, mean, I still had much a lot of frustrations with the game. There were so many times when Pepe would make a run in behind and we dawdle on the ball. Saka would yeah. slow it down and just pass it out, or just didn't have the quality to get the ball to him. And I think Aubameyang made a lot of those runs as well. And it it clicked a bit more in the second half. Obviously, three goal cushion it. It will do. You'll be a, you'll be a bit braver. You'll try more difficult passes, but it it was more when we were breaking through. Odegaard was definitely more involved. Like you say, he was drifting into those spaces to free up Saka. He played that lovely frick through ball to him as well. He was more <clears throat> assured on the ball. He was more direct with his passing. Whereas we've seen and we did see previously to this game where the only sort of form of attack would be down the left with. Tierney, he'd make a run. Jacker would fan around on the ball again. I keep picking on Jacker. I don't mean to, but it's just the, it's just the guy that I see who is on the ball. He does slow it down, or another midfielder player might be in the ball, slow it down, let the other team get back into position, and then just well, Tierney's caught up now. Past him, he'll drive forward and just smash the ball into the box. And that just seemed like the only only form of attack we had against Chelsea, and the only form of attack we really had against Brentford as well in the previous game before that. And that wasn't the case against West Brom that is something that some positives I can take from the game again I reflect on it as just the League Cup uh, lesser team but they did try to press again a, a, a better presser team a more quality team might have pressed a bit better may have not had the ball going behind them as many times as, as they managed to concede to us um, but you, you can't really moan against a, a 6-0 win I did I, tongue-in-cheek moment 
in the first half, I was moaning that all our goals were a bit scrappy and shit. <laughs> so it's nice to have three generally well-worked, nice goals that wasn't a save and a, and a, and a tap-in. Again, good move from Aubameyang to tap it in for the first goal. Um, but again, Pepe hitting the post and it falling to Aubameyang was a, a bit of stroke of luck there. Um, and obviously, the, 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 the first goal with Zaka worked really well to get the ball down and win the ball off of almost three sort of defenders all clustered around him but again stroke of luck there so to actually have some three goals in the second half that were all just well worked and good good play will only I think help our forwards Lacazette's been on the score sheet Aubameyang's got a hat-trick Pepe's got a goal Saka's got a goal that's that's all going to help in the future at least now going into the Man City game again I'm not expecting much I'm more expecting results from the run we've got after that I think we've got probably nine maybe eight I can't remember now I was looking at the fixtures earlier a good run I think Tottenham poke up in there but we've got Norwich at home we've got we've got winnable fixtures there and that will be what we'll judge Arteta on and what we'll judge this season on. I'm looking at it now, Norwich at home, Burnley away, then Tottenham at home, Brighton away, Crystal Palace home, Aston Villa home, Leicester away, and then Watford home before we play Liverpool. So they're all there's points there to be won to be won. No one's expecting us to do well against City and Chelsea. I don't think anyone in the right mind would say we get a, a winning a win against them. So Hopefully, with the goals that we've got in and the strikers getting a bit of form, they can take that um, a little bit further. With yeah, got. I, I said after the game, like my a little bit tongue in cheek to to wind up people, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was sort of saying it's like it's great to win six 0 Of course, it is. Only Arsenal could win six 0 on the night and then find out another team's won eight 0 Of course, that that's always going to happen. But um, yeah, it, it, it's all about what you do with Man City now, isn't it? Like, you know, if you beat West Brom 6-0 and then you go and roll over to City and lose 3-0 or, you know, lose 1-0 with 3% possession, then it's it's not pointless, but it you know, it doesn't really help, does it? If if you get the get the uh the confidence into the forward line and then you basically say to Pepe, right, you're going to be a left back against City on top of Tavares or Tooney, whoever starts and then yeah, Bamiyang, yeah, you're going to play on the right and we're going to ask you to be a, a right wing back and defend all game kind of pointless so you know i want to see us as i said in my tweet i just want to see us go well it's, it, it is a way isn't it city i just just want to see us have a little bit of a go you know i'd, I'd rather lose four nil and actually have a go than, than lose one nil and just be passive and, and let them pick us off with with possession so i guess it i guess we'll see what happens on that one um lacazette's finish by the way was very tidy he he does look sharp i know there's the memes going around about him being chunky and that i mean if he's chunky I mean, I'm screwed, you know, I, I'd quite happily have that physique. So uh, fair play to him. But yeah, tidy finish. He looks sharp. Him and Aubameyang. It's just nice to see some of our players smile as well. That's one thing I noticed last night. Like, sort of this pained expression on half their faces in the preseason games and, and the first two games of the season. It was nice to actually see them with a smile on their face. So um, and of course, that fabulous meme that we've now got of Pablo Mari and Arteta. Uh, that's going around that that will be used on a number of occasions on my timeline coming up so enjoy that um i'll just ask you both uh, just a straightforward yes or no answer on this one uh well two questions but both with a yes or no answer a uh, are you happy with wimbledon at home and b do you give a monkeys about the league cup even if we were to win it uh rich you start uh, uh yes and yes that's what i like to hear straightforward straight to the point l Yes, and 
If we win it, yes. If we don't, no. <laughs> <laughs> nearly. We nearly got it in one answer. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, I mean, if even if we win it, I'm still not sure I give a fuck. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If we, if we lose, it's the Mickey Mouse Cup. No one cares. Yeah, if we win if it, we, win it, we are it's, gargantuan and elite. It's the history of the Tottenham. Um, yeah, I mean, it is one of those, isn't it? I, I, I don't think I can ever get... I think the only time I would really have loved to have won the League Cup is when we were shithousing it with our youth team. If we'd have, if we'd have won that final when we got when we lost it to Chelsea, where we played the youth team all the way through, and then yeah. was when John Terry got his head kicked off, wasn't it, that game? If we'd have won that with our reserves, that would have been a feat. But with the first team or the players we got now, I, I don't know. I mean, a trophy's a trophy. We shouldn't be sniffy, should we? But uh, anyway. not. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Uh, we are going to um, talk a little bit of tittle-tattle now to sort of fill in the gaps because it sounds weird to say that like, 6-0 wasn't, there wasn't too much to talk about, but genuinely there probably wasn't. Like The goals were, were fun and it was a fun night and you know the kit's lovely and all that, but other than that, there wasn't huge amounts to say. But uh, we should talk about some of the stuff off the pitch then. Um, let's start with the transfer sort of roundup then. Um, and as it's come out today that uh, Mikel Arteta has sort of finally given up the ghost with Willian uh, just a year and a half too late. But, you know, um, in Willian's defence, it's not his fault. You know, he was a, a fairly decent player at Chelsea. It's not his fault we signed him. It's not his fault we offered him a ridiculous sum of money and a ridiculous number of years on a contract. That's not his fault. What is his fault is him pretty much being a bit shit for a year and not really seemingly to seeming to care particularly very much but it looks like he's on his way to corinthians in brazil um i've got some quotes from arteta here which i shall read to you and get your thoughts on them uh he basically said uh we're having some conversation with him and his agent we're evaluating the position that we are in at the moment he then went on to say, I don't know. And that's why he was asked why it hasn't worked out for Willian. I could give him a few reasons there. Uh, and he said, at the moment, he's an Arsenal player. We're trying to get, thing, get get the best out of him while he's here. Anything different, things can just happen. So uh, basically, the minute he says he's still an Arsenal player, at the moment he's still an Arsenal player, I think you can take from that he's gone. Because that's what they always say. So, um, yeah, well, we're, just on your opinion, really, on that one, Alan. Maybe if you want to combine that with Lucas Torreira, who's also joined Fiorentina, another one of these loan with option to buy. God, give me strength. He's gone. Let's be honest. He's not coming back. So he's gone to Fiorentina where he can take lots more pictures of him at fun parks and various other things when there's a game on. That'll be fun for him. Bless him. What do you make of those two deals? Just two we needed to get out the door and, and that's it. Goodbye, sayonara. Or are you remotely bothered about either of them going? Yeah, not bless him. Fuck him. I mean when he first broke into the team I, I quite liked him I, I, I thought we we're going to see big things from him but he just it just didn't work out I think he was broken a bit by Emery um, and they just never really recovered from that he it looks like he's quite a homesick little boy and doesn't really like playing in England and if you can't cope with it like they say if you can't take the fire get out of the kitchen so yeah get rid of him if he can't take it then he just needs to go um he, he had a good goal in, the, in in one derby. That's probably the only thing I'll really remember him for. Other than that, I don't have many fond memories of the guy. Didn't really work out, and it's best for both parties for him to move on. Um, as for should William, say, should say as well, he had some personal tragedy, didn't he? Which, in fairness, did seem to derail his uh, his mindset a bit, didn't it? But then there was also the whole. I want to be close to my family and now he's gone to Italy, which is even further away than England. So it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, 
um, yeah, again, condolences to him and his family. But at the end of the day, as, as harsh as it sounds, my concern is Arsenal, not with his career. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something. I thought he was going to say <laughs> condolences to his family, but fuck him or something like that. Sorry about your loss, but get the fuck on with it. <laughs> okay. Don't ever work in HR, Al, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, sucking work in NHS, that makes you like it. <laughs> yeah. um, Suck it up, take some paracetamol and fuck off. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah, William. Uh, on, on to William. Fucking off. Yeah, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 just, it was an epic failure. I, the transfer itself was greeted with a lot of scepticism. A lot of criticism. I don't think a lot of people particularly wanted him. He had probably one of his best seasons, statistically, that's easy for you to say, um, uh, with his goals and his assists for Chelsea. But I think he was on penalties and free kicks. And I thought, I saw when I saw him at Chelsea, I thought he was a good player. Um, I was optimistic when we signed him, but it, soon after the the first game against Fulham, it soon became apparent that. He wasn't the William of old, or he just didn't match our team. And the frustration of Arteta just trying to play him consistently to try and get him into some sort of form. And personally, too little, too late, really. He should have probably got rid of him or should have benched him or tried to get him gone a little bit sooner. I know the opportunities weren't there, realistically, like a January transfer window here. Um, but, yeah, similar sort of tone to Torreira. Didn't really work out. Not really fussed. He's gone. On it's just best for both parties for him to move on and play as football elsewhere. Mm, yeah, he's not um, not the William of old now. He's just old William, isn't he? <laughs> Pretty he's much. Just old, just old William. Out, I think, out I think the frustrating thing with the, with the William thing was the fact that he kept on trying to make fetch happen. Oh God! He kept on like trying to persevere with him when it clearly. It wasn't working, and no. I, I, you know, he should have cut his Arteta should have cut his losses a lot sooner than he did with Arteta. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know. No. It's sometimes, think. like I said, like the Torreira, sometimes it's just it's outside circumstances. He just doesn't get on in the country, doesn't get on in the city, whatever. But it's just you can't then keep trying to make it happen, and that was the big problem, mm. I think, with them, um, mm. the with the William thing as well. And you'd, like watch Pepe, United, isn't it? you'd watch Pepe or whatever wide player have quite a good game in the Europa League and you'd mm. think, right, that's his chance to break into the squad for the Premier League and then William would be there, but yeah. like, great. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. That's. And I was just going to say on Pepe, like, imagine, I mean, yeah, I know he has his critics and, you know, I fully admit he hasn't lived up to the maybe the hype or the price tag, which, again, wasn't his fault for the record. But uh, And of that 72 million, I'm sure uh, Ralph Son, yeah, he... Probably pocketed about thirty million of that, allegedly. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't his fault that he was on that price tag. But you did look at his form at the end of the season. You did sort of think to yourself, if he'd have been in that side since Christmas, how much more we might have got out of him instead of persevering with Pepe uh, with uh, William. Sorry, so yeah, I agree with that. Um, Rich, I want to put the boot on the other foot with transfers on on the next thing. I want to ask you about the players that potentially might actually survive the cull. Because Willian and Torreira are gone. It looks like Kolasinac is going to go off to Fenerbahce and play Fortnite with Mezzet, which is lovely. Um, <laughs> or, or just get into fights and hopefully nothing too serious. But there's a couple of players that I think it's all gone a bit quiet around. And the two I, I pick out in particular are Reese Nelson. In fact, there's three. Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah 
and a lesser spotted Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, it looks like Nketia is interesting, Patrick Vieira, uh, who, by the way, uh, speaking of people who are a bit out of shape from their playing days, I love the fact that Patrick has just gone, I'm just going to get fat. I don't care. I love that. I, just, I love that. Man what a man. After my own heart. What a man. He's just, he's just gone, I'm just going to, I'm just going to release the trousers a little bit. And I'm just, I'm going to stick with a tracksuit. I'm just going to be fat. It's fine. I'm a world cup winner. Fuck you. I love that. <laughs> Big up Patrick. Um, but that aside, it seems like he kind of fancies Nketiah if the price is right. The suggestion is Palace want to pay 10. We want 20. That says to me, he'll probably go for 15. That's what that says to me. So I'm going to assume that he'll probably get done. But the other two, I mean, you know, there's the homegrown quota. Reese Nelson has had opportunities to go before and not gone. Maitland-Niles sort of feels like a player who... I, he talked himself out of an Arsenal career, but mm. I just wonder, like, playing last night, he seems to have been involved in all the squads this season. Is there still a small chance at redemption? Because his value is nowhere near what we could have got last year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... Because he hasn't, he hasn't played. Although he's been in the squads, he hasn't really played. Like I think, apart from the West Brom game, like, I don't think he came on against Chelsea. I come from uh, my memory, and I don't think he came against uh, Brentford from my memory. I think you're correct. I, I, I think he's talked himself out of um of an Arsenal career. I, it, it's, I get, I get sticking up for yourself and and kind of being vocal and, and backing yourself kind of thing, but I. Yeah, I, I think he's massively screwed over his career. And I think maybe, I don't know, our club's kind of looking at that and thinking, is he worth taking a punt on? Because he's he's one of those players who, you know, he, he, he it doesn't have a nailed down position. What position is he? He's not he's not a midfielder. He's not a right back. He's not a a wing back. He doesn't have a a nailed down position something. He's 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 almost you know got the the similar sort of problem that like Oxley Chamberlain always had yeah. as well. I think you know, that. he doesn't have a doesn't have a, a a kind of a position. And the fact that nobody seems to be sniffing around him is is like I say could probably be down to the you know the the, the attitude uh, uh, thing to it you know mm. I'm I'm very shocked that Reese Nelson is no one's even you know because he's not going to cost that much money even his no. loan like I don't think why teams aren't taking a punt out on him I again is is kind of shocking they look at his injury record which isn't the best I don't mm. know um I I think both of them are going to... Well, I think Reese Nelson maybe is going to go on loan somewhere, maybe, because I don't, I don't think he's going to want to do what he did last year, as in, like, just absolutely waste a season. Hang around, yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. It's just it's, it's bizarre how how little speculation there is on, 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 on those two. Like, I, I do think, like, you know, that it's going to go mental in the last... Yeah, you know, week and a half, two weeks of the the the, the window. Um, how long we got to the window close? We're, was it? we're in it. Yeah, it's Tuesday. We're in it now. Week, yeah, I, I think yeah. the closer it goes, I think you're going to see a lot of movement and the whole merry-go-round of, <clears throat> you know, this person's now gone, so this person, da 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 da, da you're going to Dominus. see a lot more. But it's just, mm. it is disconcerting how little there is speculation about them. But 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just people, like I said, just don't, because we're so sh- shite at fucking selling. Nobody <laughs> wants our, our drugs. Yeah, yeah, I think, like I said, I, I can see as I can see Enkettia getting done because, you know, for, for, for all his for all his faults or not, he's a useful young English player who's got a goal scoring record at international level, albeit under twenty ones, and he'll probably get you ten ten goals a season for a mid table club. Um weirdly I think Reese Nelson would fit a club like Palace quite well, although they've got a few wingers in fairness. So uh, but yeah, I I think Nelson and, and Maitland Niles have got that ring of QPR on the final day of the window scratching around for a player. Not QPR because they're in the championship, but a, a club like that, you know, a, a Norwich, a uh, a Burnley, someone like that who just comes in at the last minute and says, actually, we wouldn't mind to make the Niles. And we go, do you know what? Seven million will take it. It has a ring of that, doesn't mm. it, to, to it. And I guess it also depends on whether we've earmarked funds um, for anything else. I mean, Mikel Arteta, again, uh, was asked about the sort of movements before, uh, basically on the arrivals before the window shuts. And his quote was, we don't know. Uh, that was whether we would make more signings. He said, we've already done a lot of things, ins and outs. Uh, that was all your decisions, by the way, Mikel. Just reminding you of that. Uh, I think it's 16 or 17 deals in total, some renewals, which is a lot of things. There are still some things to do in the last few days because there are still some question marks of deals that can happen. We will see. So it has kind of gone a bit quiet, but yeah. I mean, do either of you feel confident we might still do a bit? I've heard a few, there's a few whispers coming across the channel. Uh, none of them are to do with Kylian Mbappe, I'm afraid. So I can't, I can't give you that. But there, there are three players in France that we have had some discussions with in the past week. Um, they're all preliminary discussions, I'm led to believe. It's nothing concrete, but they are three players in the frame. Uh, one is a right. Yeah, I was going to say well, one is a midfielder uh, of the Lyon variety, um, and two are fullbacks, which is a bit more interesting to me. Um, are we sort of confident that maybe something else will get done? I mean, we're forgetting that, that Hector is still there as well. And I think he's got a bit of a raw deal. He's never quite got back to the levels we hoped he would get, but he's not a bad player. But it's clear that he would kind of like a new challenge. And I, I think, fair enough, he's done his time with us. I mean, is it... And Cedric, I mean, oh, God. We've got some riffraff, haven't we, in this squad on the fringes. Are either of you confident that we still bring players in, do you think? Go on, Richard. Uh, I, I, I can't see it just because of we've done so much and the fact that we're, we're, we're still to shift so much as well. Like I say, it's, it's, there's a lot of work to do in not so much time kind of thing. Um, you know, the fact that we've, we've technically, we've got four fecking right backs still at the club, (laughs) you know, you, you, you sign, sign our, you know, it, it, it's is. Where's he playing? Where's where's the? You know, what's the? I don't. I don't know. I just. I. I just can't. I think we've done a, a a hell of a lot so so far. I can't see it doing it just because you know we never kind of do that. Apart from like the the trolley dash post <laughs> the eight two, we never really done that many sales all at one uh, uh, purchases all at once. So I I don't really see it. What about you? Uh, agree. Personally, yeah, I can't. Husamra, obviously, we were linked with quite heavily. Was it last season before yeah. we got Partey? And obviously, that didn't 
work out. Again, Chris, you're probably more in the know than me, but it sounds like he's been sorry, off the Sorry to just interrupt. Is, is he a dick? Is that why no one wants to find <laughs> him? <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that when Ellis has finished his, uh, his answer. I'll give you some insight on that. Well, well last I saw it on Twitter, because obviously everything you see on Twitter is true. Oh, that's all real. Yeah, yeah, he was being offered around a bit, and we were one of the clubs that he'd been offered to, and that's all I've seen. Um, I do think, when you, I, I know you just laugh about having four right-backs on the books, but I'd rather, like you say, veteran looks like he wants a new challenge, I'd rather ship him off, and we're going to ship him off with the players we've got at the club at the moment to be a starting right-back. Whether we hang on and make do for a season and then get someone in with a higher calibre in the next window or whether there's some sort of swap deal potentially we can do to get someone who's a bit more um, reliable than Cedric and again Andy Miles who doesn't really want to be a right back unless he's changed his mind again I don't know but yeah Chris go on tell us about all your in the know stuff yeah, I mean, it's not really. It's uh, ITK is so old fashioned now, isn't it? It's, uh, it's not really a thing anymore. So, uh, old people no. say, oh, you're so trendy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you're so trendy. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, on on the hour thing, first of all. So that that's been kind of muted for a while. Um, I, I'm going to upset a few people here. I think if the, I think there is more likelihood of Husamawa ending up at Spurs right now than there is him ending up at Arsenal, which kind of breaks my heart because it's yet another French player that I'm going to have to dislike. And it's yet another player, um, see Tongue and Dumbele, uh, who's going to fall by the wayside at a shit club who can't manage him properly and don't use him correctly. So that kind of breaks my heart. And the main reason I say that is, is just because Spurs' um, negotiations have, have, have got further than Arsenal's. That doesn't mean that we aren't still going to nip in there but my concern with the our deal is that whilst we're interested in the player and have held held informal talks with leon already and have kept in touch with him it should be said since last summer and have scouted him on a number of occasions we are very keen on a loan deal and and part of the reason that the deal didn't go through last summer was because they leon being they wanted an inflated price for a player who has got a lot of ability. He genuinely is a very talented player, but to, to touch on Richard's point there, he has a little bit of an ego um, and he does also have a little bit of an element of if things aren't going well, he does disappear in games and a little bit of a down tools mentality. The Where the issue with Arsenal really raised last summer was when he refused to warm down after a game away at Nice, I believe it was. Um, essentially, the, the players, Memphis Depay was another one, um, who was uh, sort of left out of the team for disciplinary reasons. There was a, a bit of an issue with the lateness, I believe. Um, Hussam Al was another one of those. He was on the bench. He didn't come on. Rui Garcia, the coach at the time, essentially disciplined him and, and said, you're not going to play. After the game, he was told to go and warm up, warm down um, with the rest of the team. As you see, the players run up and down on the pitch after the, the game's done. Um, he politely said, uh, nah, not going to bother with that. Got changed and sodded off. And that didn't go down well. And it just so happened to be one of the games Arsenal had a scout at. So, as you can imagine, um, with the uh, the good ship Arteta, it's not a fan of, of players with personality or with a bit of spite. He likes them to be very regimented and, and, and very in line. And I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but Arteta has this kind of thing about him where he makes his mind up on a player and that's it. And he got that report back and um, our interest kind of waned. So I think the only way we get that deal done now is if Leon is still looking to ship out his wages, which is the main reason they're happy to listen to offers for him. 
and if they offer us a cut price deal on deadline day, for example, and say, look, take him on loan with an option to buy, kind of the Genduzi reverse deal. You take him on loan with an option to buy, we buy him at the end of the season, and then we either sell him on or we keep him and whatnot. Just for those wondering, though, for me, it's such an easy deal to do. He wants he, he wanted the Arsenal move last summer. That's part of the reason why he wasn't so great for Leon last season. His head was turned. He was keen to be part of the project at Arsenal. He wanted to play in the midfield with, with Partey. He was keen to come to the Premier League to try and get into the France Euro squad. Obviously, that never happened. It, it's a prime move for him, and, and he can fill three different positions for us in, in the number six role or alongside Partey. He can comfortably play the eight role just in behind the Odegaards and the Sackers. And he can drift wide. He can play as a wide player, not as a winger, but as a wide midfielder. So he ticks so many boxes. To me, it's this is this is all about Arteta not liking a player with a bit of attitude. And we know he has a little bit of an issue with French players, shall we say. Um, not mentioning any names here, of course, especially central defenders on loan at Marseille. As for the other two, um, and again, this is just from... The, the bits and bobs I've heard and the things I've investigated a little further. Uh, Tilo Kera, who some people will know, some people will not know. And if Drew's watching this, I can hear him flinging himself out the window as we speak. Uh, he's a young defender who arrived to PSG a couple of years ago from Bayer Leverkusen, I want to say. I think it was Leverkusen. Um, he can play centre-back or right-back. So he's another one of those players, as if we didn't have enough of them, who can play a couple of different positions and has never really nailed down one position. So there is suggestion that that we may be looking to take him on loan because PSG need to balance their books a little bit. So that is one link. Um, the other one that does intrigue me a little bit because he fits the profile and I'm surprised no club has gone in for him yet is uh, is a lad by uh, the name of Solomon Sambia, who you may know as Junior Sambia. Uh, who's a, a right back by trade. He's kind of a right wing back, really. He's 24 years old, plays for Montpellier in, in Ligue 1. And he's been actively touted around by his agent as being looking for the next move on. Um, I think he would fit really well for us, personally. He is a little bit of a defender who struggles with the old defending, but he's in the sort of mould of Tavares. Um, Get him right in there. That's why he fit with us, yeah. He, he would offer far more going forward than he would defensively. But what I like about him is there's a bit of Lauren about him. There's that, is that he's a big he's a, a big physical specimen. He, he, you know, he's decent on the ball. He's comfortable getting up and down that right flank, but he's aggressive. He's, you know, he's tigerish, tigerish. Um, I think he'd be a really good fit. And at 24 years of age, Montpellier is not a rich club in France. He, the rumour is he would cost about £15 million, which is about €12 million. Euros. I mean, that's nothing. And to be honest, if you said to Montpellier, look, we'll chuck you a Cedric, they'd probably bite your hand off. So I, that's one I would pursue. Um, but I make no excuses and no apologies to anyone when he ends up at Newcastle on transfer deadline day. And everyone says, oh, that's not a bad signing. So, uh, you know, they're, they're the two names that have come out basically in the last few hours when I made some inquiries. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't think we're in the market for Ronaldo or Verratti or Di Maria or, I mean, we might get a Cardi on deadline day. Maybe that's because <laughs> that's just such an Arsenal type of signing, isn't it? Can't get the player you're after. Oh, it's just, it's all having a Cardi. That's fine. That's all good. So I guess we'll see. Um, so there we go. That's the transfer news then. Obviously we will, I guess when we record the pod next week, we'll probably have a bit more information about transfers then because I would imagine we'll record next Thursday or Wednesday, by which time we'll know what our squad is. 
and we can all have a meltdown together when we've given Ben Leno a seven-year contract and a pay rise for another player we don't like, whoever that might be next week. Anyway, happy times. Let's do some questions. Ellis, I believe you've got them. Um, let's uh, let's work our way through. Shall we start with Carl's humorous question? Let's get that one out of the way, shall we? Yeah, we might as well. I've been feverishly trying to copy and paste all the responses in Twitter or on Twitter, my notifications into the uh, private chat. So they're there, boys, if you want to have a little peruse, want to read them out. Um, Cloud's obviously been very busy, so that's three questions. His first one, the humorous one, you could say, um, is if you were being bullied, we'll go to you first, Richard, and then Chris, you can have an input as well. If you were being bullied by your workplace colleagues, what would you do? <laughs> if I was being bullied by my workplace colleagues? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> That's so, so random. Um, Do you I want me to would, give you some context seems... about what, why this question was asked? Yeah, go on. <laughs> well, th- this question was asked because a certain Carl posted a picture of Lucas Torreira via... He, he was doing the admin for our, our Twitter site last night. And he posted a picture of Lucas Torreira. It is possibly the worst case of lack of cropping of an image prior to posting. I have probably ever seen, you know, massive grey box at the top of each end. Torreira sort of sandwiched in the middle. I mean, it's just basics, Carl. You know, it's not bullying. It, just do your job, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's poor. It's poor form. So he's turned that into an HR issue. And that's where this question has spawned from, you see. Oh, OK. Right. OK. So what I would do, I would make sure that I fucked up everybody's trains the next morning. <laughs> I would make sure that nothing worked. There was leaves on the tracks. There was all sorts of shenanigans. The Oyster card machine wouldn't work just so everybody was late. So if that happens tomorrow, then you all know who to point the finger at, basically. it's. Uh, and as for me, I mean, I, 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 would, I, I would just dismiss the sheer inadequacy of the job at hand. And I'd continue to bully that person, probably until they cried. Um, and then I would laugh at them and throw things at them in the office because I don't care. I've got no heart, no soul. Mm. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I thought he was referring to the, the, the Twitter spat we had where I photoshopped a um, certain badge of a, a rival oh, team. Oh, do you know what? He might, he might have been. Yeah, well, well, maybe we'll ask you He's just you been bullied so much. <laughs> he's, he's just been picked on. I mean, to be fair, if you're going to put a profile picture up of you in a Spurs shirt, you deserve everything you get, Carl. So, you know, sort it out. There was no Photoshop. That was just legit as far as... Like you said, Alice, it's on Definitely Twitter. Real. Therefore, it's true. Yeah, so, must be you know. true. <laughs> we'll, let him, we'll let him have a real question, shall we? What was his second question? He's put three in here. But oh, for God's sake. Next one I've got, or the one we've all seen... Um, I'll give this one to you, Richard, and then I'll go on to the second Carl question I'll give to you, Chris, just because I know you'll enjoy it. Um, so Carl says, serious question. If we get an offer for above £40 million for Alba on the last day of the transfer window, should we accept it? Ooh, controversial. Um, it, it, uh, I would probably say yes, but I think it would. I'd be. I'd be tempted to. It'd be. Blah, 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 and get my uh, sort my teeth and my tongue out. It would depend on how close to the to the to the shutting of the window kind of thing. Because uh, 
you know, Chris, don't kill me. I don't think that I don't think Lacquer and nobody else would be enough in that position to, to, to get enough goals kind of thing. So that would be my, my only caveat kind of thing. I, I wouldn't be adverse to, to you know, getting a, a, a lot of money for a, a striker who, for the past year, has been awful. Um, you know, off the, you know, it's, I, I feel bad for the guy. I do, I do generally feel bad for the guy. You know, the, the issues with his mum, he got malaria, then he got COVID. The guy's had a, you know, a, a pretty crap, uh, 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 time of it but I'd be tempted to say yes to get his you know get his wages off the book and you could reinvest that money back into the squad kind of thing um, off a player who how old is he now uh, Aubameyang is he 31, like 31 isn't he 31 yeah, yeah, so, yeah Lacazette 32 I think so yeah so I, I would tempt you to say yes but I mean I, I, I wouldn't want to do it and then leave us short kind of thing mm. so yeah that's my roundabout answer if that makes any sense. Fair enough. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, a sort of long-winded one for you from Carl's final question, then we'll let the actual listeners have some questions. Um, <laughs> he puts, Chris, with Mbappe on his way to rail, do you think this will start a football merry-go-round? Also, how does a club sell a player for nearly £200 million with one year left in his contract and we can't sell any of our players? Because <laughs> they're PSG. They are the, the demon of the footballing uh, landscape. They can do what the fuck they want. Um, yeah, I mean, the, firstly, there's no guarantee Mbappe is going to go. Obviously, it's, it's been quite heavily mooted that he's been fluttering his eyelids at them and he's quite keen on the idea of playing for Real Madrid at the moment. Christ knows why, because they are a mess. But, you know, he probably will score goals in, in, in that shit league. Um, but that was intended. But... Um, if, if the French League's the Farmers League, then that must be what the... Um, well, French League is apparently, according to FIFA rankings, the sixth best league in the world yeah, currently. That, yeah, but that's FIFA. Do you, do you believe anything that comes out of FIFA's mouth? I believe everything I see on the internet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Twitter. It was on Twitter, so it, therefore it is real. Just <laughs> nonsense, anyway. I, I, by the way, I really enjoy getting sent pictures of tractors every day. It's my favourite thing ever. I love it. It's great. Keep doing it. Um, anyway, yeah, so let's just assume Mbappe does go. And there is, you know, there's enough smoke to suggest that, that there is a bit of fire in Spain. And, and I do love the fact that Florentino Perez sort of was pleading poverty like two months ago. And now all of a sudden he's found, was it £1.170 million down the back of the sofa or down Sergio Ramos's shorts he left in the changing rooms or whatever it is. Very strange that. Um, I mean, at least Spanish clubs aren't corrupt. That's that's good. But um, <clears throat> but I yeah I think there will be a domino. I think there could be a domino. There won't be a domino effect this window because there's, there's just not enough time to get enough wheels in motion. But yeah, I mean, it could affect that because if PSG shift a player like Mbappe, I mean, arguably they don't need another striker now because they can just play Neymar. Messi and Di Maria, and then you can have it. You can you can have an Icardi up front. You know, you could have an Inquetia up front for PSG with that supply line. It wouldn't make a difference. So you know, Mbappe is a luxury item that they can afford to shift if they want to. And the reason that they can get two hundred million pounds for a player with only one year on his contract is because they've got no pressure to sell. They they can legitimately they have that much money and that much power um, that they could. And now they have. You know the best player in the world. They could legitimately turn around to, to Kylian Mbappe now and say, "Look, do you know what? You said you wanted us to back 
the project you wanted with PSG, you wanted us to back us or back you, sorry, by bringing in high caliber players. They've gone out and bought Wijnaldum, who's still a very elite level midfielder to partner Verratti. They've, they've gone out and bought Sergio Ramos, who, whatever you think of him, is still one of the best defenders in, in world football on his day. Hakimi is easily the best right back in Europe right now, if not the world. Um, Donnarumma is going to be one of the one of the world's great goalkeepers and is already you know nominated as uh, as the player of the tournament for the Euros. And they already had Kaylan Navas, uh, the squad they already had, and then you chuck Messi into that as well. You know PSG have done everything Mbappe asked them to do, and Mbappe's pretty much turned around and gone. Eh, uh, that's great, but I want to play in Spain. Well, it's a little bit. And don't get me wrong, he's a wonderful talent, but there is an ego with Killian, and we saw that at the Euros, and we've seen that since. And he's he's very he's very aware of his brand, and he's very aware of his his value. And you know, I think PSG would be in every right to turn around to him right now and say, unless Real Madrid come up with the money we want, which by the way they want they want 190 million minimum, so getting close to 200 million. They would be well within their rights to say, "Sorry, Killian, you're staying, and we're only going to use you in the games we fancy, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna enelk at you. We're gonna put you on the bench, and you'll play the odd game away at Strasbourg and enjoy it." And they'd be within their rights to do it. So, if you, if you're if you are a club that is owned by a state, which we might touch on in a second, you can do whatever you want, and you can dictate the transfer fees that you command. If you're Arsenal and you've got a squad. You know, or you've got a fringe of your squad that's full of very average or underperforming players. You can't dictate what you sell them for. You you literally put them on a market stall and you wait for that guy who leaves his house on a Sunday morning in his slippers and talks to pigeons. And and you say, hey, Marvin, come and buy our lovely shiny Reese Nelson. He's as good as Kylian Mbappe. And Marvin goes, well, okay, I'm lying. And, and he takes him. So shout out to Marvin. Good, good guy. That's, that's, yeah, sorry, it's a bit a little long-winded answer, but, you know, we've got trash. PSG have got treasure. You know, you do the math. Such a weird analogy. <laughs> I mean, Marvin, the crazy Marvin. man who talks to pigeons. <laughs> there is always that, but there's always that guy. You go to a car boot sale, there's always that guy, isn't there, who just walks around and he just picks up that broken picture frame with half a mirror in it. And he goes, that should be great in my bathroom. Or it's like, you know, nobody else would look at that DVD of, I don't know, Blade, the original Blade. It's on video. And then somebody comes along and goes, that's perfect. I'm going to buy that. Nobody would buy it. There's always that one guy who buys the trash off the market. So, and his you know, name is Marvin. His name is Marvin. There you go, from Home Alone. Anyway, <laughs> going back to the Mbappe thing, I just think it's mad that he'd want to leave. Like, like you say, so Real Madrid are in like they're not in a good position. He's just had all the like all the players you reeled off, and Messi have just joined mm. PSG. They're going to be in for a strong shout of definitely contending for the Champions League this season. They should be. They have to be, really, yeah. And yeah. he's going to fuck off to Real Madrid f- mm. f- for what? Surely you just be like, right, I'll, I'll stay for a couple more years, enjoy playing with Messi before he retires or fucks off to the MLS. Um, yeah. And then I'll go to Real Madrid. Like, how old is Mbappe? 20, uh, 22, 21, 22. He's got, like, uh, a fair few good years left in him. He doesn't need to be going rushing his way off to, to Real Madrid just because he's a bit bored 22. of the French League. Yeah, I mean... There's three reasons. There's three reasons. Branding and marketing, because he can earn a lot of money if he leaves PSG, because he because he's, he's a Nike client at a Nike club. So if he goes to Real Madrid, who are an Adidas club, he can essentially have his own 
everything will go through his own his own image rights, not just through the club and the Jordan brand and everything that goes with it. He has his own unique deal, uh, boot deal with Nike, so he can maximise that. Whereas at the moment, that's kind of within the PSG structure, like as part of the deal, he gets his his image rights, but he doesn't get as much as if he was his own client on his own. Um, so that's one side of it. So basically, money. Um, there's there's the ego, not just like the arrogance ego, but there's the ego of he wants to be the Matt Letizia. He wants to be the big fish in... It's ironic to say Real Madrid is a small pond because they're not, but you know what I mean? He looks at that team now and he thinks, right, you've got an aging um, an aging and, and faltering Eden Hazard, Gareth Bale, you know, players... Of, even Benzema, you know, he's been brilliant, but he's getting on. There isn't another pretender to the throne at Real Madrid. Mbappe's move right now would be very similar to when Anelka arrived there, really. If you look at the comparisons... You know, one of the world's most expensive strikers at the time, Analka, when he went there, and it didn't work out for him. And that would be the worry. But Mbappe would be going to a Real Madrid side that needs his goals, needs him as a, you know, a Galactico, a player that, to build around. And he'd be going to a league that is, you know, Barcelona are a mess. Atletico Madrid, sure, they're reigning champions, but they've got their faults. There isn't really any other major competitor. Mbappe could go in there and basically become a star in his own right. And that's the third reason. Apparently, he's a little bit miffed that they've gone out and bought Messi because now he's, you know, he went there when Neymar or Neymar came in just after him. He's arguably surpassed Neymar in terms of uh, like marketability. And now they've gone and got Messi. And again, you 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 can't you can't wish for something, get given it, and then go, yeah, but I didn't want that. It's like yeah, but you you've literally asked for that. You know, would he have been happier if, if PSG had brought in Anthony Martial and gone, OK, well, he, he's all right. You know, he's French and he, he's all right, but he's nothing special. Surely, like you said, you'd want to play with the, the best player in the world, if not ever. Mm. But, you know. I suppose he's only 22 and I was also an idiot when I was 22. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you're still an idiot now. I mean, well, yeah, so. well, I'm slightly less of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So, uh, yeah, a Paris Saint-Germain Wonderland podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. <laughs> and uh, we're out of here. Um, let's go back to Arsenal then. Let's do... Um, I want to finish on Victory Through's question. So let's do Josh's question next. Josh Page's. Cool. Josh Page, yeah, he's come in literally only like 10 minutes ago. So that was lucky. Um, we'll go... Richard, you can answer this one as Chris went on a bit of a rant. And then I'll let you both ask the, uh, the, the long... Um, the last question, the long question. Um, so, yeah, Joshua Page has put, how happy are you that we are playing Man City um, and getting that game out of the way before Ronaldo comes in? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, well, as happy as you, you can be, I guess. Uh, I, I, I do get it. Uh, I want you, you want to get this game out of the way as soon as possible, you know, but before Ronaldo tips up. Um which still seems uh, uh, slightly crazy. And I'm, I'm sure uh, some dribbler from uh, from down the road is is cursing his luck that that Cristiano Ronaldo is now going to be uh, going to be winning the league uh, at Man City instead. But yeah, get it out of the way. Uh, I'm all for that. Uh, is it then we got the international break, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. I can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> in national break that night's no, fine we get Partey back and and hopefully no one else goes to a red listed country and don't get any more um any more diseases and hopefully we'll, we'll be right yeah i'm happy get it out of the way uh, you know i, do, I don't want a uh 
Because it, it, it'd be just our luck that, you know, we, we fucking go up against Chelsea with their 90 million striker on his debut. And then in the next game, we go up against the league champions with their however much they're going to, you know, spunk on on, on Cristiano Ronaldo on, for his debut. Like, it's, Jesus. We just, uh, uh, we just don't be able to seem to catch a break sometimes. But, uh, yeah, get it out of the way. I'm, I'm all for that. Well, we lose either way, really, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so after we moved away from PSG, we're now going to go to a question with similar roots, I'd suggest. Um, Richard, I'll go back to you again, and then Chris, if you want to answer as well, and then that'll be the end of the questions, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Victory Through H, or at Sharp Escher, asked this question. How would you guys feel about Arsenal being bought by a member of the Qatari royal family? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, all for, I'm all for it. Um, you know, make, make Arsenal Arab again. I, I love it. You know, it'll be, be, be my Egyptian, my Egyptian Arab, uh, um, uh, heritage would be, uh, you know, absolutely ecstatic. Asta- um, it depends on, on what all comes with it. I, I, I think you're, you know, that's alluding to the, the rumours that have been going about about allegedly some is it Qatari family, royal family it, that's is supposed it Saudi to be Saudi or Qatari? One of the, yeah, we'll, we'll um, go with Qatari. Yeah, I mean, I say I, I don't know massive amounts of of it. I've I've not really been online um, all that much today. Um, I I would welcome it, kind of thing. Um, you know, anything to get more investment in, in into the into the club and into the team, you know, you, you look at what I don't, I don't really want to, to become one of those soulless, um, oil clubs like, you know, like Man City, like PSG, but what's the, the old adage, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, I, I, me personally, I can't see it massively happening just because I, I can't see Cronky selling them. Uh, and then you've got the, with the, the 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 whole thing that happened with uh, with Newcastle, with the Premier League and the other teams, allow us to to allow the deal to happen. So I don't know. Like I said, there's it's. I would love the investment so that you know that when we when we sign someone for fifty million, it's we can then and it doesn't work out. We can go. Oh yeah, sod that. We'll just go and buy this guy for ninety million. You know, I'd love for that to happen, but you know. The, the the skepticism in me doesn't think it it will. I don't know about you guys. Oh, do you want to take it and I'll wrap it up? Yeah, I'm literally looking. At, I was like scrolling through Twitter, looking for it to see. I think it was Qatari when when you were coming back to me. But I, if it was to happen, I'd probably be scrolling through my own tweets and frantically trying to delete any <laughs> bad stuff I'd said about PSG and Man City. Like. Oh. But no, I, again, I, I agree with you, Richard. Like, I wouldn't want us to be one of these soulless clubs. Um, I've, I've moaned about them on countless podcasts, tweeted about it, moaning, WhatsApp moaning about it. I don't agree with it. I don't like mm. it. Um, I'm not of the same thought of if you can't beat them, join them. I'd much rather beat them by not joining them, by being, quote, unquote, better ethically than them <laughs> um, but it's football where's the ethics in football football's governed by money now isn't it, it until 
one of the big um, associations puts a clamp on it, which I can't really ever see happen. They've tried a couple of occasions. You obviously saw the Man City thing, and oh, here you go. Here comes my cat coming into my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of oh, there's a bum hole. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, it's, I'd rather not. But is it going to happen? I don't know. It sounds like it could just be this guy just trying to get a bit of clout on his tweets rather than actually being serious. But we'll have to wait and see. What do you think, Chris? I mean, yeah, I, I'll i keep it brief on this one because I, for once, I just think I just think it's one of these. I think Tom put this really well, Tom Canton. And when you were saying earlier on, on, on his pod, you were saying the amount of people that have unfollowed his account or himself because he's essentially said he's not comfortable with the idea of a human rights um, violation country or state owning a, a, a chunk of his club. And I, I kind of agree that with, with that. And don't get me wrong, if if we there's there's sport wash there's money wash or sports washing in, in football regardless of whether you're FC United of Manchester, Plymouth Argyle or Arsenal, it doesn't matter what level of football you're in. There is sports washing. There's bent money. There's dodgy agents. There's questionable uh, money comes in from questionable sources all the time. Even if you look at, you know, what have we got on the sleeve of our shirt? Visit Rwanda, for fuck's sake. I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't be these like sort of, oh, we're holier than now. We're the Arsenal. We would never do such a thing, darling. You know, we sacked a guy because he had his finger caught in the till um, over a, an agency deal last summer. We also sacked one of our greatest managers of all time for taking a suspicious brown envelope behind someone's back over a, over a player. So, you know, we're not whiter than white here. Let's, let's not kid ourselves into thinking we are. But at the same time, much like I think Newcastle fans said it when it was potentially happening to them, there is something a little bit gross about it, a little bit unfortunate. And to this day, I, I don't really see Chelsea or Manchester City as proper professional football clubs. I see them as franchises that were bought. You know, Chelsea were bought for a pound when they had cars parked behind their goal at the time Manchester City are a fabricated sports franchise you know they, they're also I have to say they are also a, a famous historic football club but that's not the Manchester City you see now it's just not like they're not they're not the same club that left the city ground they're not is it the city ground main road sorry main road the city grounds Nottingham yeah it's not the same club it's a completely different club you no, could call that name only isn't it yeah you could call that sky blue Manchester FC Devils you wouldn't call them devils, but you know what I mean? You, know, you can call them anything and, and they would have the same history as they've got now as Manchester City, FC, PLC, whatever they are. So to me, Chelsea bought the league under Abramovich, um, you know, and they bought the players in. And so did Manchester City. To a lesser degree, Manchester United did. But with United, they built their fortune over the years through clever advertising deals, through worldwide sponsorship and through success. Those Champions Leagues in the 90s and whatnot and the trebles, they built that, that success over years. Um, Chelsea and City, to me, they will never be. But all the titles they've won between them, to me, as an Arsenal fan, if we'd have done it the same way, think of it this way. If we'd have had the money that Man City or Chelsea had when we won the Invincibles, we would still say we're the Invincibles, we'd still love it. But be honest, there'd be a little hollow element, wouldn't there? There's something quite nice and something amazing to be proud of the fact that Steve Bold put through Tony Adams to clinch the title in '98. There's something to be quite proud of of the fact that, you know, Jose Antonio Reyes, God rest his soul, 
smash one in against Middlesbrough for a 5-2 win in the season of the Invincibles when we were, what, 3-1 down with 20 minutes to go. You know, there's something special about Thierry Henry smashing in a, a goal against Liverpool when we were, you know, we had to win with, with minutes to go and made Jamie Carragher look like the twat he is. You know, there's that that's history. That's proper, genuine, historical roots of a football club. Chelsea, Man City, I, I think if you spoke to the really hardcore fans of those clubs, the really genuine hardcore fans, they would still tell you they're successful because they are. They tell you they love those days out at cup finals and league titles because they have every right to do so. But there's got to be a tiny tinge of them that goes, I would have loved to have seen Mason Mount do it without all the money. I would have loved to have seen Nicky Summerby charge through the midfield and win the title for Man City without all the other stuff that came with it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm kind of proud of Arsenal as they are, even though we're as probably as bent as most of the other Premier League clubs if you look below the surface. But I would much rather we're owned by albeit a slightly questionable American bloke with a lot of money than a state that essentially employs slave labour, does unspeakable things to employees and has no real root in football, no matter how many complexes they build around the Emirates or no matter how many litter bins they install in North London. Do you know what I mean? So I said I was going to keep that brief and then I just went off on a tirade of rant. But you get where I'm coming from. I fucking hate to think what a long-winded answer would be. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast without a carpenter, would it? But and, and, you know, again, like you guys have said, it's all rumours. We were going to be bought out by Nigerian Prince, weren't we, a few years ago, and that never really... And, and what's that? Oh, do you remember that bloke from that music Nigerian. company? You know, was, was that that dude who owns Virgin Records or Our Price, or whatever the fuck he's called? Oh, no, sorry, Spotify. I mean, that went nowhere, did it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, all, it's all self self-promotion and bluster and until somebody slaps a a wad of cash on stan's door like you said Alice, he ain't selling why would he sell he's making millions out of us why on earth would he sell he's just signed a documentary with amazon that's gonna potentially open us to thousands of sponsorship opportunities whether it goes well or badly he's gonna earn millions from us he will not sell this club unless it's a massive deal that really suits him and that suits his other sports franchises and do you know what? I don't blame the bloke. Whatever you think of him, he's a bloody good businessman. You know, nobody likes Vince McMahon. Look at the money he's made from wrestling. From bloody wrestling. Look at the money he's made. You know, like you just you just sometimes have to say these people are very good at business. We're very good at supporting our football team, and the two don't necessarily mix. So there you go. That's my thoughts. Shall we move on? Um, we're not going to do predictions because we don't do predictions anymore because we, we do, because nobody can predict what the hell Arsenal are going to do. But we are playing Man City on Saturday. And uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say we're all probably shitting it a little bit. But, um, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll see where we end up. We'll, we'll see where we end up. Uh, so that is our next fixture. It's the only thing really that's left to do. Um, Ellis's cat has very much taken on the show here. He's, he is the star of the show. I presume it's a he. <laughs> Um, we, uh, we, we've just got some shout outs really before we wrap this sucker up in just over an hour and a half which is quite impressive for me so um, I'm going to let you guys go first and just hope that neither of you pick my, my shout out but you never know uh, Rich have you got anybody you want to nod and wink and pop your finger in the bum to um, uh, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my, to my wonderful daughter she is um she is going on to on Saturday. She's getting fourteen inches of her hair to, uh, cut off for. Oof, I was worried where that was going. 
Oh, the children's um, uh, uh, cancer charity. It, Lily, hang on. Lily, come here for a second. Come here for a second. Just come here for a second. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, this, this so is fantastic. All this, all this hair, she's having about 14 inches cut off for uh, for children's charity. Wow. That is um, fantastic. So, uh, yeah. Um, so that's my little shout out is to is to my daughter, Lily, because um, she's raised, what was it, 480 pounds? Well, it's over 500 pounds now for the uh, the Little Princess Trust, which is a wow. a, a charity which um, which makes wigs uh, uh, and that for for uh, for kids with uh, cancer. So, what a fantastic yeah, shout out! That is fantastic, and we 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 have a lot of crappy shout outs on this show. Let me tell you, that's one of the the very best. How old is Lily Rich? Lily, she's 12. 12 and she's, 12 years and she's made 500 pounds of charity i could yeah. barely pick my own nose at 12 let alone raise for 12 or 500 quid for charity so fair play to lily is there a page where anyone can chuck a few quid in if it's uh, yeah there, there is I'll, I'll 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 tweet it out a little bit later um but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah any any donations is is, is is welcome let's say it all goes to a, a fantastic cause yeah give oh, danny a poke i'm sure he'll retweet that I heard if she gets a grand, then Chris is going to join her and cut all his hair off. Yeah, that's that's just <laughs> just simply not happening. Uh, but yeah, give give Danny a nudge. I'm sure he'll retweet that. Or if not, just ask the admin. Um, although I've heard he's pretty useless and he can't even crop pictures. So, you know, good luck with that one. But uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, no, genuinely, that's a fantastic, um, fantastic shout out, Rich. And, and well done, Lily. Uh, no pressure. Let's match that. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> I didn't come prepared, um, and uh, nothing's really going to match that. So I'm going to shout out my cat Stampy. I, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. It's like it's going to be the cat, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're fair play. I'm just looking to see if mine was around. So, oh, he's done here. Right? Yeah. He's like. I mean, he's just. You can't see him, but he is down down here. Are we? Oh, oh, here you we can see him. Oh, yeah, you can see him. Can you, can you see him? He's yeah, yeah. Hang on. Let me come here, you fat fuck. So uh, there's Tom. That's a baby W. He, lo- he looks really pleased to be here, doesn't he? Are you going to say hello or are you just... He- he's really not interested. Okay. Bye, Tom. So there you go. There's t- two cats, one podcast. So there's a show in that somewhere. Um, brilliant. So I can't match Rich's, Rich's shout out either, but um, I will just give just a gentleman's nod, really. Um, Jack Wilshire. What a what a heartbreaking interview that was. That uh, I've got to be honest, I'm not quite on the david ornstein fan club train as everybody else i think the guy's a little bit of a parody at this point but to be fair to him and also the athletic i call the pathetic because their articles are trash but anyway that aside um i thought the jack wilshire interview was really good and my heart kind of broke a bit for the guy you know i thought it was a really honest take a really genuine just a really genuine bloke who's got a you know a young family who's clearly made some mistakes in his life through no fault of his own, had a career that was wrecked with injuries. And I still remember when he first broke into that team and we all looked in and thought, we've got a real player here. And mm. he, and not just for us, but for England as well. That performance, was it in Brazil for England? I think it was, where he, he, went, he was over there and just ran the game in midfield. Um, or am I thinking of Oxide Chamberlain? I might think of Oxide Chamberlain. But he had a certain game, I remember playing for England. He had, he had like looked... three man in a match is in a row, didn't that's he? That's right, yeah, that's right. And he, and he just looked that player. And I just think to myself... You know, a fit Jack Wilshire, you know, in the same team now, or, you know, like a fit Santi Cazorla, we've said that a few times. Those sort of players, Diaby, there's so many of them that have come through Arsenal, Eduardo, another one. But with Jack, it was it's that little bit more heartbreaking because he was 
he was one of us. He was a local lad, and and he and he had that sort of Gendouzi kind of element of him of like one of those guys that you wanted on your side in a fight, but he wasn't quite as much of an egotist as Matteo is. But you know what I mean? He was just a proper Arsenal player, and it was just a bit sad to hear a guy who's clearly still talented and and you know he's probably going to end up in the MLS with Kieran Gibbs and it'll all be a bit sad and you know it's, it's just a bit heartbreaking isn't it and, and I really I really wish him well and I hope he finds a home I don't think it's going to be in the Premier League because I think those days are a thing of the past for him but it, it'd be really lovely to see him pop up at somewhere like I don't know Colchester or you know down the leagues and and, and still got himself a career or better still Maybe he could do a job abroad, like the overseas games. You know, maybe players fit better fitness-wise, different pitches, different climate. You know, it'd just be really nice to see him go somewhere and have a bit of a career because you can tell he, he's still an Arsenal boy, isn't he? He's still very much attached. And uh, Bukayo Saka's post on Instagram earlier on was, was really nice as well. Where he, he basically posted a picture of him and Jack when he was very young. And he said, like, without you, the Hayland kids would never believe they could have got where they've got today. So mm. I thought that was really touching. So, um yeah, definitely doesn't compete with yours, Rich, but um, I think it's worth giving him a, a little it's not shout a bad out. One. It's not a bad one. Yeah, and, and God bless you, Jack. Uh, I'm sure you're not watching, but if you are, get in touch, mate. We'll have a chat. We'll be fine. Anyway, um, feels like a good place as any to wrap this show up. Uh, one hour 40. For me, that's not bad. Not bad at all. We aimed for 115. We went 140. It's not bad, though, is it? So we will leave it there. Um, we will be back, of course, as I say, next week for the usual podcast. Just a reminder, if you are a long-suffering listener or if you're new, um, we're not doing the post-match shows anymore because, frankly, we've got better things to do with our lives. Uh, we started it. Everybody else followed it. So what do you do when you create something? You move on from it and you create something else that's new. So that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, the next edition of ABW In Conversation with a series hosted by my good self. Uh, the next one is due to be released, I believe Danny said, next Monday, which is uh, myself and Elliot from Arsenal Vision Podcast, who some of you listening will be familiar with. Uh, he's the gentleman who speaks very fast um, and uh, hosts the Arsenal Vision podcast. Really good chat with Elliot. It's around about 45, 50 minutes if you've got a commute to go to. That's one to listen out for. Really, really good chat with Elliot. Some really interesting uh, discussion there. And as I say, the podcast will return next Thursday. No idea who's on it because, you know, as you can probably tell from tonight, it's organised chaos. Nobody knows who's going to be on at any one time. But three, maybe four people will be here. And we'll probably be talking about a horrible defeat to Man City. So then we've got that to look forward to, everybody. Happy days. Uh, Ellis, thank you for coming on, uh, as usual. Uh, go fuck yourself. Thank you very much. I will. <laughs> good, good. Please I actually, don't... I actually come up with an actual shout-out. I was going to shout-out Scylla, who's my partner, who's pregnant, and we've got our 20 weeks down tomorrow. So well done for growing a baby. Well, I mean, you should probably be patting yourself on your back. I mean, your little guys are working and... You know. Yeah, we had this conversation at work the other day. Like everyone goes up to the woman, like rubs the belly and goes, "Well done." Why does no one go up to a bloke and just rub his pecker and go, "Yeah, rub good job, mate. Yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah, good, good effort. <laughs> or just a little flick on the tip and goes, "Well done, well done mate." Yeah, yeah, you're right. So like a little feel... high five. Yeah, yeah. yeah Get yeah. that friend starting. Or just, just like gently cut your balls. Just go, "Well done, mate." Well done. You know, just. I feel like a, a sexual harassment course will be on the way, or case will be opened by the morning. But. Uh, yeah, congratulations, mate. We never said it on air, did we, before? So, yeah, congratulations to you both. And um, make sure it's a gooner. Although, I don't know, is that child abuse? I don't know, probably, at this stage. 
but well, well. <laughs> uh, who knows when they're born we might be better yeah we can hope for things can't we uh, due january the 6th so probably not be better by then <laughs> no, no. you can need a lot of good signings before then for us to be yeah. better but yeah good luck and and rich thank you for coming on mate it's been been a while thanks for having, me, have mate. A chat thanks again. For having me you're very welcome and, and best of luck to lily and uh yeah, she's going to wake up on the next day and think, where's all my hair gone? It's going to be a oh, weird no, experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's going to be so, yeah, the missus is is not happy about it because like, so she's <laughs> not had a hair, ever had a haircut in oh, like, wow. 12 years. So, like, yeah, she's going to be very up, very upset. But It grows back. That's the good thing, unless you're getting old like me and losing it in the front. But I went from this to a skinhead once. It does grow back. It just takes a long bloody time. So there you go. Right. Um, that's it then. I'm going to pull the plug. So uh, thank you very much for uh, you for all for joining us this evening. Uh, if you do enjoy our show uh, in all seriousness, uh, thumbs up on the YouTubes does help with our algorithms, which is apparently what all the kids say. So do give us a thumbs up, uh, a like. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us. Because if you like tonight, then chances are you probably won't like any other shows. But subscribe anyway. Like you can always just mute us. You don't have to watch, but at least you give us a little, you know, a little bit of tickle. So thanks for that. Uh, Danny will do all the editing and all the fine stuff, and this will be released soon. And as I say, we'll be back next week. Uh, take good care of yourselves. Uh, please do stay safe. I know the world is getting back to somewhat sort of normality, but as Ellis will testify, there's still a lot of shit going down out there. So just keep yourself safe. Adhere to the rules where you're asked to. And don't be a dick, okay? It's hard enough watching Arsenal. Don't be a dick. All right. We have been a Bobcat Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. My thanks to Rich. My thanks to Ellis. And thanks to Danny for not being here because he's fucking useless. Till next time. Good gooners. Have fun. Night night. Piss off, Carl. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>